0: Gurudev Bhakta Jai, So, good afternoon to all of you. Welcome Hi. and We are continuing today at the second Girash Mandir here (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, with our series of lectures about mm, uh, Bhagavan's prayers to his devotees. Somehow or other we have uh, baptized the series in that way. So we are studying six crucial verses from the the ninth canto, fourth chapter of the Bhagavatam, verses 63 to 68. Today we are in the second one. mm, verse 64 but as usual let's make some brief recap of what we were studying yesterday can you hear me? Yes. if not you can come closer because my throat reaches a certain range if you will neighbors thought it would be
1: the perfect thing to move. I know
0: <laughs> so yesterday we had some introduction to the whole Series hmm, to give a little bit of context, and also we studied the first of these verses. So the context was connected to the story, the background story of this series, which uh, involves who? You had to help me with the at least with the recap of the summary.
2: Sudarshan
0: Sudarshan Chakra, main character there. <laughs> so as you know, I'm um, yeah, many many characters. yeah. So Ambaris Maras was known as basically a great king, um, emperor, saintly personality, who was observing one, one-year calcibrat, and he had to break the, the fast after one year and on one specific junction or moment in the day. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, the famous Durbas and when he comes, as, as we mentioned, he has to be properly received if you want to have a blessed life, basically. <laughs> so. Of course, Ambar is in a natural way. He welcomed here as a very perfect host and he offered something to it and Durvas went to have his morning oblations. In the, it was going on in Vrindavan, so he went to the Jamuna. But he became absorbed in Samadhi according to his uh, conception, how he appears in the lila as a Brahma body. Again, Durbas Samuni and these personalities are like paradigmatic figures that may appear as a Brahma body, but they are go acting in, in even the Vrajalila so particular type of of characters if you will so he becomes absorbed in in samadhi so he doesn't return in time for the, the lunch the, the whatever breakfast lunch prasad that Ambarish was getting ready for him so Ambarish was just in time to break his into his fasting but also he didn't want to eat before his uh, guest would have eaten so so he was dilemma, what to do? So he asked his Brahmin assembly, they didn't know what to say to him, they were overwhelmed, so you can imagine, the Brahmin's assembly is overwhelmed. Okay, so Ambaris himself took the decision, Say, I will take some water. It is said in the scripture, it does break fast, it does not. So he tried not to engage in any of those mistakes, to, to break properly the fasting, and to not break the fasting before Durvas may eat. But Durvas, in his mystic perfect, perception, he realized so. Oh, Ambarish took something before I, I was there. So he came back, he started to abuse Ambarish, to do bowling to him verbally, strongly. And as we say, as if that was not enough for him, he was quite enraged. So the nature of wrath is... It's unsatiable, how do you say?
3: Uh, unsatiable. Yeah, unsatiable,
0: thank you. So you always want more. If it's not enough, some words... Some thoughts, but some words, not enough some words, some physical act. So what Durrpasa say made in this way invoke some great demon in order that he may kill Ambarish. Yeah. But as we know, Ambarish was such a great devotee, nice devotee, that Bhagavan sent his own Sudarshan chakra to reside in his palace. It was one of the hosts at Ambarish's palace, Sudarshan himself. Today we had Maureen Darshan of Sri Sudarshan, Kijai. proper vision, remember, that's the meaning so better we have proper vision, if not, okay, take care of your throne (laughs) so Sudarshan appeared at that moment to protect Ambarish, Bhagavan's devotee and and he reduced the whole monster to ashes and started to chase after uh, Durvas himself who was the the one behind all the situation, if you will so Durvas started to run after, to run uh, to different places by his mystic capacity he went to different planetary systems and eventually he reached to the planet of Brahma asking shelter, protection there Brahma say, I cannot do anything here sorry, I'm Brahma, I'm not Bhagavan so Darshan has to do with Bhagavan, Vishnu It's his own associate so I cannot do anything so he goes to Shiva Shiva is known as Durvasa's uh, worshipable deity, Sadevata so he thought, well, Shiva will protect me He's my prabhu, my lord. But she will say, I cannot do anything. Vishnu is my, my prabhu, my lord. And Sudarshan is Vishnu's own weapon and associate, if you will. It has its own identity, if you will. It's a personality in itself. So better you go to him. So Durvasa finally gets to the shores of Vaikuntha, if you will. Now he's not gaining full full access as we had tomorrow, today in the morning, in the Bengateshwar temple, that was special mercy. (laughs) Full access into the inner quarters of Lake Clempan. Durvasa was reaching to the entry point and there, Vishnu appeared, if you will. He fell at his feet and he started to pray and ask for forgiveness and so on and so on. So, the point is that Vishnu is the one who will reply now to Durvasa with the six verses we are studying here. That will be the main reply. An implication of this reply, as we will see, is Narayan will say, I am totally purchased by my devotees. So you offended my devotees. I mean, I control by them, as we will see. So I cannot do anything. They control me. Hmm. Brahma and Shiva say, Vishnu controls us. So you say, when well, I am going to Vishnu, Vishnu say, I am controlled by someone also. So better you go to, to my controller, which happens to be the one who you offended. So the rest of us at this point embarrassed from tip to toe, you can imagine, so, <laughs> but well, so in this context, and the point is, of course, if you offend someone, you go to the person you offended to beg forgiveness, and you, you don't go to somewhere else, to someone else, I cannot, yeah, you offended bhakti, you go to bhakti itself, well, that's, that's on my, above my head, so Vishnu will take this opportunity not only to, to protect Ambarishan, to protect Durvasa, if you will, also, but to chant, especially chant the glories of mm, of Bhakti and Bhaktas, if you will. Mm. So in that context, we started with our first mm, of these six verses yesterday, which somehow is an extension of what we were studying a month ago in the in the Baba Loki, the prayers of sur which was some kind of trailer mm, of of the tenth canto, what's coming next in the tenth canto. So here we have a there is not chatu shloki because there are six so we may call bhava sat shloki <laughs> six verses will will uh, share us a, a glimpse a trailer of what's coming in the Braja lila the 10th canto which type of of bab or mood will be like broadcasted there so here vishnu is still is the one who speaks here bhagavan not not, not krishna and Vrindavan, but vishnu by kumtha but it's giving us a glimpse of if this is saying in Vaikuntha by, by Bhagavan Vishnu, what, what if? if we, what if Braja Krishna himself will be saying this? How this applies? Which is the dimension of that? So that's an exercise we have to do. So we shared the first verse yesterday. So some brief recap for the one person today. Mm-hmm. Bhagavan said. Mm-hmm. He said to Durvas, I am completely under the control of my saintly devotees. Hmm? Indeed, my heart is possessed by them, from tip to toe, and thus I am not at all independent. Well, very shocking statement coming from the so-called independent personality. (laughs) What to speak of my devotees, even those who are the devotees of my devotees are extremely dear to me. Hmm? So here Bhagavan is, like, disclosing a very open... the inner closet of his heart, if you will, who oh, I, am, I am really am, and that's by Kuntha, still. We are not yet in Braj, but of course, for those who have Vrindavan DNA, you will try, you will perceive here. There's something else. No? Here, the source of Narayan is speaking, ultimately, <laughs> at least to us.
2: <laughs>
0: so, in this verse, as we mentioned, many things are being established. One of them is the the great greatness of the Dasanudas. Uh, Status, if you will, of becoming a servant of the servant of the... The more indirect becomes the situation, the more glorious for us. It's not that I want to be straight the servant. No, as, as much as you become the servant of the servant of the servant, you are including more and more No, uh, intermediaries, you say? Mm-hmm. No? And all of them are agents of bhakti. So that bec- makes the whole equation more and more surcharged with devotion. So the most fortunate you are, you, you can serve... Most people in between, so that's the point. If I want Krishna myself, I lost so many opportunities of rendering seva to the personifications of Bhakti. (laughs) So, Bhagavan is really, as we always hear, Bhagavan is so much indebted to his devotees because they, as we will see in today's verse and next ones, they give themselves to him in every single sense, starting from their own life. So, he would like to reciprocate, but also to say that the devotees are very expert in not allowing Bhagavan to serve them because they do not want to serve Bhagavan so he serves them I mean it's not calculated okay I give you something because I know you will give me back this and that they are not even thinking about that so Bhagavan would like to reciprocate but the devotees are very expert in serving him and in not letting themselves be served by him so Bhagavan is in kind of a dilemma because I would like to do that so we, we appear on this scene there and we can serve the, those Vaishnavs that Bhagavan himself cannot do. Somehow we are doing something that God himself cannot do <laughs> by his arrangement, basically. So he will, if he sees, oh, they are doing that service to the sadhus that I would like to do myself. And But somehow, and the sadhus allow us to serve them for our own benefit. So Bhagavan himself will bestow on us so much mercy and grace. So we can continue doing that thing that he would like to do himself so much. So that's it. The trick, that's the formula, just for you to know how the this math works in this case, no. So these verses are this verses spoke about how Krishna is totally controlled mm, by Bhakti. Sri Krishna akarshini, She's mm, the all-attractive, but the all-attractive becomes all attracted. Mm, but something especially attractive but like bhakti. And uh, and as we mentioned, also quoting the Paramatma Sandarva Sri Goswami, this is not a fault in Bhagavan to be especially attracted to his devotees. He remains impartial, but at the same time, he reciprocates accordingly to those who give fully to himself, basically. And to those who do not want to give to himself, he reciprocates accordingly. Be neutral to them, basically. As Paramatma is some other feature which will deal in a more impartial way, but on the foundation of, on the basis of that impartiality, we have his spiritual partiality. He's partial spiritually, but remains impartial in connection to Maya Shakti and Jiva Shakti. But Swarup Shakti, that's another story, if you will, another department. Mm. And as we mentioned, Bhagavan does only interact with his Swarup Shakti, mm. Bhagavan. Mm. Paramatma has another type of uh, jurisdiction, maya shakti that's the general idea of God for most people as we mentioned dealing with the world with us here providing and whatever judging and that's Paramatma Bhagavan he's in another realm in the concept of Swarup Shakti in that particular orbit and to begin with Bhagavan Narayan as we mentioned that's particular orbit he moves on now, today in the morning we had the fortune of being in the Venkateshwar temple nearby so we had the <laughs> A visit to Vaikuntha, to basically, Vaikuntha embassy. And that was very nice. We were speaking with Subal because we saw how the servants were so much dedicated to serving Narayan. No? They were not thinking like, Narayan, provide us, give us, we need this. That's not Narayan. No, again, Paramatma has more to do with that. We are here, give, protect me. But Bhagavan Narayan is the object of service, the object of love. Even in Vaikuntha, no? we are not speaking about yet bride Krishna but we have to go through Vaikunta, if you will we have to go through through that Aishvarya to appreciate how Ishvarya is still present in Vrindavan but bu- buried under layers and layers of intimacy you know, if you will it was a nice nice experience <laughs> so <clears throat> that's the point basically Bhagavan is self-satisfied but when he wants to uh, experience love and happiness with his devotees, it's not that he's lacking self-satisfaction, because his devotees, uh, today we will elaborate on that, Bhagavan's devotees personified Swarup-Shakti, and Bhagavan only interacts with his Swarup-Shakti, which is his own Swarup, his own nature, appearing in a particular way outside, if you will, of himself, and giving him a higher bliss, today we will speak about that. Swarup-Ananda and Swarup-Shakti-Ananda. So we will share some ideas And he will become so much affected by that sort of Shakti that as we will see, in this case going beyond Vaikuntha, he will be so affected by that that he will forget his Bhagavan. I mean, already the idea of Bhagavan is incredible, because, again, most people, they understand God regarding Paramatma. Even they do not know what's Paramatma. But when we speak about Bhagavan, that's another story. But when we speak about Bhagavan forgetting that he's Bhagavan, that's another whole story, <laughs> no? Because of such a, an impact of Swarup Shakti that he just, it blows his mind, no? <laughs> That's Braja Krishna, that's how he's today. So again, these verses are speaking, spoken by by Vishnu, Narayan and by Kuntla. So what to speak about Braja Krishna? So, some brief recap, not so brief, but some new guests today, so I wanted just to extend the... 90 minutes of yesterday's class in at least 15 minutes what to do (laughs) hopefully that helped and for the ones who were present also also. (laughs) just in case so let's continue with the second verse it's another very very nice verse i know that gurmaj likes this verse also a lot so just for you to know that's one of that this is in his list of favorite ones so this is the second verse, verse 64, <coughs> from the fourth chapter of the ninth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So the verse says, <laughs> So the translation of the verse says like this O best of the Brahmanas, Without my saintly devotees, remember, here is Bhagavan speaking to Durvasa and Muni, remember the scenario. Bhagavan speaking to Durbas. Sudarshan chakra waiting in pause there, no expecting what to do, wanting some indication. Should I go to Durvasa's throat or, or not? Should I return to Ambarish's palace? Am- Am- Ambarish Maharaj in his palace. Remain, remains praying with folded hands. That's when Durvasa started to curse him, he remained like that. Durvasa is in, in the shores of Vaikuntha, sweating, falling at the feet of <laughs> Bhagavan Narayan, and he's instructing him on, on the nature of, of love, basically. Starting from Vaikuntha, from Vaikuntha upwards. So the verse, this second verse, O oh, best of the Brahmins, without my saintly devotees, for whom I I am the only goal of life, I do not desire to enjoy my own transcendental bliss or my supreme opulences.
2: Hmm?
0: So, interesting idea. So we'll try to unpack what's being said here. Hmm? So again, this is Vishnu. This is not Krishna. For us, this is Krishna. Oh yes, but no, this is Vishnu. So if this happens in Vaikuntha. The point is, what to speak of renunciation. Sometimes it's helpful to to become more acknowledged about what's going on in Vaikuntha, because that helps us, by contrast, to appreciate to which degree that same thing is going on in Brach. Sometimes we jump quickly to Brach, and by not going to Vaikuntha and appreciate how these type of things have been said there, like these verses, this is not being said in Brach, this is in Baikunta. So If they can say this in Vaikuntha, how will they say that same thing in Brach, if you will? <laughs> So a journey through Vaikuntha is interesting, if you will. That's why Sanatan Goswami depicts Gopakumar's journeys through so many places, not only Vaikuntha. So by comparison, when you reach Vrindavan, you have gone through all the other places <laughs> and you understand the greatness of all those places and the special greatness of that place that Gopakumar and hopefully us are pointing to by way of contrast and comparison and appreciating all those things not being sectarian and oh, I only care for my own goal I don't care anything else I go straight there you will never arrive in that way <laughs> <There>. <laughs> so it's it's a gradual process no? so, so this verse says At atmanam so Bhagavan is saying atmanam na means not means I Bye. basically naham atmanam, atmanam means like my own transcendental bliss, in this case, no? like as we will call more technically Swarupananda, the bliss of Bhagavan's own nature, when it is intrinsically present inside of him. And astrase means desire. So, I do not desire my own bliss. Now he will qualify his statement in the second line. Mm-hmm. Then he says, madhvaktay mm-hmm. sadubi bina. Again the word sadhubir. Mm-hmm. What's the, what was the meaning of sadhu Priya? Someone who is, hacked, which is real,
1: authentic.
0: She heard attentively, yes. Very mm-hmm. yes. good. Go. thinks, he speaks what he
2: thinks and does what he
0: does. Okay. She reminded the answer better than me. Great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I will ask her. <laughs> <laughs> so, Madhavakta is sadhu vir. Again, this, the same word in the second verse. Sadhu bir. Again, like, there is no like repetition enough repetition of the idea. No so Mad Bhaktair means my mat bhakta mad devotees, sadhu as if that's not enough. He said Bhakta Sadhu. Actually, in one sense we could say they are synonyms But to further qualify the idea said says Mad Bhaktair Bina. Bina means without. So without my devotees who are sadhus with all implications that Gorangy Priya just shared and of course much more as if fair. So so many things to say about what does it mean to be a sadhu so without my devotees who are saintly, who are transparent who are totally authentic I don't want to enjoy even the bliss of my own self Bhagavan is saying So again, this is Bhagav- Bhagavan Narayan in Vaikuntha in love with his devotees because they are in love there it's not that, again, all and reverence is like we are afraid of the object of our affection there's come Bhagavan and we hide behind a tree or something no? they love each other in a particular way as we were seeing today in the morning, they were absorbing, serving, and dedicating in a particular way. Charming. <laughs> so, without them, basically, he, here he's saying, without them, I don't want me. I don't want myself. I, my, I, I, I don't make sense, Bhagavan is saying. <laughs> without them, I don't care whatever may be going inside of me. Without my devotees. Sriyan Chatyantiki ki Brahman Yasam Gatiraham. So, Jasyam Sriyam Chatyantikim, he further qualifies it and says, Sriyam, Sriyam comes from all my opulences, the famous six uh, types of, sixfold division of Bhagavan Saishwarya, as we know, we can remember all of them. Knowledge, (laughs) beauty. Full, just start with full. (laughs) (laughs) Because knowledge, beauty, full. Knowledge, beauty, (laughs) renunciation. Sorry? Opulence. Uh, wealth, wealth, wealth yeah. yeah strength strength and fame. fame 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 okay so all these desirable basically qualities that are found in Bhagavan in the utmost degree make him if you will Bhagavan the one who possesses all bhaga or opulences so he says Sriya- S- Sriyam Chatyantikim Brahman Cha also Chatyantikim means supreme and Brahman or Brahman so the point is I also do not care for my opul- my status as Bhagavan, basically, because speaking about these six opulence means define what who Bhagavan is. So again, he's saying, I, I don't care about who I am without them. Oh, um, someone may say, but you are Bhagavan. <laughs> <laughs> How do you not care who you are? You are such a great person, you should be proud and happy, all the, op- the things. Without them, I don't care. In other words, without bhakti, without my, that's my heart. As we will see, the last, very last verse of this series, he will conclude like very poetically saying, I am their heart, they are my heart. Period. End of the story. Try to get the, the point. <laughs> mm. And the last line says, uh, gati mm. And who are those devotees that... I mean, I am not complete without them, jesam gatim aham param, jesam means of whom, gatim means like mm, goal or destination, aham param, again, I param, supreme, of whom I am their ultimate destiny, so for them I am the, the all in all, the converging point of their existence, so again, I reciprocate accordingly, I am the converging point of their existence, they are the converging point of my existence, they live for me I live for them we have to believe Bhagavan he repeats that so many times but we still do not believe him <laughs> that's I mean that's the point that's the proof we have our own testimony as proof that I have not surrendered fully I fully do not try, do not try. if not I have given myself complete. if I really understand what he's really saying that for sure he's saying these things not like only seriously not feeling anything he's saying this and Maybe Bhagavan Araya and Vaikanta Santir may be coming in this moment. <laughs> so, so, in this second verse, it's a continuation, as we mentioned, in the first verse of this series, Sri Bhagavan was, like, given in a... encapsulate the way all that will be un- unpacked and fall in this, in this series of verses. In this second verse, as we will see, he's implying the bliss of my loving interaction with my devotees is the topmost type of bliss. For me, Bhagavan says, he experiences different types of bliss. I mean, he's the connoisseur of bliss. He knows all the types of Ananda and Rasan. So he's pointing here to a very particular type of bliss. Even implying that bliss is superior to my own inherent bliss. So that's a particular important theological point that, again, it plays out in the topmost weight in Vrindavan. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's saying here, without my devotees, I do not, uh, how do you say, covet, covet, not covet, COVID, but covet, covet, covet? covet? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. my own self, Bhagavan is saying. I don't covet my own self or my famous six opulences. Again, those opulences make me who I am, basically. Bhagavan is known for his six opulence. Take those six opulence out of and you don't no longer have Bhagavan. And he will say, I don't care. <laughs> no, because here he's given another version. He's saying, actually, to be honest, I don't feel that I am Bhagavan because of these opulences. Or, or even if that's so, I prefer to be whoever I, I want, I, I am, with my devotees. I want to be that person that my devotees made make me to be. Something like that. Okay, Bhagavan is known by the six opulences, but I want to be known by the love of my devotees. That's who I am. I may have or or may not have those six opulences, Mm. operative or not, but without them, that's over. (laughs) Again, all this idea plays out to a certain level in Bhai and it fully expresses itself in 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 what Krishna is, as you will see Sometimes I say a byproduct of the love of his devotees, if you will. (laughs) The consequence of bhakti, (laughs) the absolute taking, being carved by the particular type of bhakti, and he appears in that particular form. That's a type of carving that makes him be that. You You put another type of bhakti, and he will appear another way. (laughs) Today I was saying that we were seeing Balaji, the carved form of some type of bhakti. Hmm? Bhakunta bhakti. Hmm? Beautiful, but particular type of bhakti. Hmm? So here is mentioning that and the next verse he will further qualify that. Why this is so, my devotees have sacrificed everything for me. They have been renounced everything, they have given up and they have given everything. Hmm? Burmash was speaking about that the other day. He said like okay you want to give something to Krishna but also in the concept of give comes the concept of give up, no? so we like the word give, in, in, in both its implications, what has to be given, what has to be given up, Anukulyas sankalpa pratikuli varjanam. accept all that is favourable and dismiss all that is unfavourable. Mm-hmm. So again, an, an important point in this series of verses is Bhagavan is not ungrateful, mm-hmm. Bhagavan is not biased, but Bhagavan is not ungrateful to his devotees he cannot forget his devotees those persons who are living their own pran to him their own life for whom he becomes his their uh, praneshwar or prananath as we say hmm? how do you say in English pra- pr- 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 when you are in love with someone you are not breathing you are how is it sighing like ah oh, swooning Sigh? sighing.
1: S- sighing sighing swooning
0: whatever yeah. <laughs> you, are not already, you are not breathing anymore it's more like ah That's where you're in love. So, Praneshwar, Prananat means the Lord of my sighing, the Lord of my life heirs. I'm just breathing for ah. So, how he will reciprocate to that? It has to be, again, accordingly. He says that over and over. That's such a famous verse and so easy to misunderstand. As they approach to me, I reciprocate. As they sigh for me, I sigh for them. As they yearn for me, I yearn for them. As they cry for me, I cry for them." And all the different implications. Hmm. Bhagavan is real, it's not a toy, it's not only a theological concept, it's a, a person and it's the most real person. <laughs> so the most real reciprocation will be there. Hmm. And as we mentioned, I will continue mentioning the implication in this series of verses, is everything that Bhagavan does is only for the sake of his devotees because again he doesn't move outside of the orbit of the Swarup shakti so he can only live to reciprocate with the personified fights of shakti in the form of the devotees even the acts of creation and all the situations in this world have a background in connection of Bhagavan only acting for the sake of his devotees <clears throat> so Let's go to some of the purports of some of our acharyas in connection to this verse that I want to share. Srila Anjeeva Goswami, his uh, Krama Sandarbha, which is a very nice compilation of commentaries to the Bhagavatam, he's saying that in five verses, starting from this one till the end of the last one of this series, Bhagavan establishes that the bliss he experienced experiences in his swarup is inferior to his realizing the bliss that the devotee experiences even if you play out this to the ultimate consequences here you have mahaprabhu's descent being how to say it? propheticized mm-hmm. <laughs> announced mm-hmm. yeah because he feels my own swar- Swarupananda is not enough what my devotees experience does the Tomo thing. And connection to Sri is what must be experience? I want to taste that. Gorlila is there. <laughs> the bliss of the devotee is the essence of the Ladini Shakti, says Jiva Goswami. Ladini Shakti, as you know, is the bliss potency, one of the three divisions of the Swarup Shakti. So, whatever a devotee is experiencing, has, in the context of Bhakti, as much as one is a devotee, <laughs> what to speak of topmost devotees. That will uh, happen in the realm of, of, of Ladini Shakti. Mm. Srila <clears throat> Prabhupada says something very interesting also. He says, and uh, here we come to a very interesting concept. Yesterday we just uh, glimpsed at that, the idea of Atmaram. Krishna being Atmaram, which means self-satisfied. But on the basis of that self-satisfaction, he experiences dissatisfaction. But a divine one. That's interesting. We have... Non divine dissatisfaction, self satisfaction, divine dissatisfaction. As we say, we have mundane partiality, impartiality, transcendental partiality. So we make full circle going back to, you
2: know,
0: especially to the Braja-lilas, So here we speak about also how Krishna is atmaram and something more, even though it may seem less because we say dissatisfied. But that's a dissatisfaction that makes him more what he is actually. You know? So. Let's say, first Sīla Prabhupāda says in His Purpose, one section of it says, The Supreme Personality of Godhead is self-sufficient, so Atmaram, but to enjoy His transcendental bliss, He requires the cooperation of His devotees. Such devotees who can increase the pleasure potency of Bhagavan are certainly most dear to Him. Not only does He enjoy the company of His devotees, but because He is unlimited, He wants to increase His devotees' unlimitedly. Hmm. It's an interesting idea to connect with the conception of preaching, no? now, preaching not necessarily in the sense of we have to have more people or whatever, but the idea here is Bhagavan's own bliss is increasing always, so we need more and more devotees to serve that bliss and reciprocate with that, hmm? the, to increase the pleasurable service to the ongoing increasing thirst in Bhagavan's <laughs> own enjoying nature. That's why we are preaching. <laughs> Ultimately. no, Because, I mean, we, you want to preach, why? So some, the person becomes eventually a pure devotee, and what's the consequence of that? That person will go to Parabiyam, spiritual world, and do something there. <laughs> just not, it's not just saying, I, uh, that devotee there was the one who preached to me, so I'm now here, so give some, uh, whatever. Some credit or whatever. No? He's kids there to increase commission. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a calculated affair, that's my point, I do this or this, but we want. I mean, if a pure, if the devotee was made a pure devotee and live in this world, we will, we shouldn't think, oh we lost such a valuable devotee in our institution on earth, we will have to think, oh Golok has won such an important peace member there, no? so new units of service to increase the joy. <laughs> So let's go to Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur's commentary, which is, as usual, dialogue form. So he will share some conversation between Bhagavan and Durvas. that is not in the Bhagavatam Berkeley but is according to the third eye of Vishwanath, in between the lines of the verse. So Durvas says, remember, the previous verse, Bhagavan was saying, I'm controlled by my devotees, I have no independence at all, so on. So Durvas here will ask, according to Dur- um, Vishwanath, how much are the devotees your object of affection? Okay, you say they are the objects of your affection, but how much? Let's speak in quantity, in degree. So Bhagavan says, listen. <laughs> so I, that, that puts everything in context. no? According to Vishwanath, Bhagavan starts saying, listen. I'm called Atmaram because I enjoy Atmaram means the one who derives enjoyment, Ram, in one's own Atma. No? He doesn't need to go outside of himself to find pleasure. So Bhagavan says, I am called Atmaram because I enjoy, mm. but I do not desire that enjoyment without the devotees. Mm. More than my own bliss from my Swarup, which sometimes is sometimes called Swarup Ananda, I desire the bliss of the Swarup of my devotees, which is called sometimes Swarup Shakti Ananda, as we will say. Both of us have spiritual forms, but the mature form of the spiritual function called mercy exists in the bhakti within the devotee. Since it is the essence of the chit-shakti, and it gives bliss even to my swarup and attracts my swarup, I eternally possess my six great qualities, but without the devotees I consider these to be barren. barren. I am the one object of those devotees. Mm-hmm. So that's a retelling of the verse, according to Vishwanath. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't care about my six qualities. They are barren. I don't care about my own bliss. It's barren, if you will, without my devotees, without the bliss that I derive. In that particular form that my intrinsic sort of Shakti becomes implanted in those hearts, expresses itself in the context of service. Mm-hmm. So... And here comes this important idea that I mentioned, Atmaram. So on one level we have God is Atmaram, which means He's self-satisfied. That goes more with the general idea of who God is. You know? Complete, full in itself. As we mentioned yesterday, that's a dangerous point, because we feel God is complete, so and I'm not complete, so let us the complete for some completeness for myself. He doesn't need anything, He's complete. I'm so empty, so God complete me complete me complete me <laughs> but in our tradition we are more concerned about incre- increasing the the completeness of God because he's complete but on top of that there is something else going on that we will see again called divine dissatisfaction his Atmaram self-satisfied but also as we will see his Pararam which means transcendentally dissatisfied <laughs> because again the nature of love is as Abul Guru Maharaj will say what? Full and ever- Great. Okay, thank you very much. So, loves make you feel full, but also loves make you always hunger for more. <laughs> so there is fullness, so there is satisfaction, but there is more. So there is dissatisfaction in the context of satisfaction. That's important. It's not the dissatisfaction we experience in mundane selfish desire. That's a different, uh, altogether quality of dissatisfaction. So I, I want you to make that clear because we came to spiritual life, most of us maybe being dissatisfied. <laughs> so we want satisfaction, we want peace, and that will be there. But as our Guru Maharaj will say, peace and something else when you make this mudra. So, peace and love. Peace and love, But the implications of love is, again, dissatisfaction. <laughs> but not the same type, another one that goes even beyond peace. So I know that this may be overwhelming for some. It's like, I'm okay with peace. I can stop there. Thank you very much. It's like, too much. Again, dissatisfa- I don't want even to hear the word. <laughs> even if you put transcendental, divine, all the things you like, it's like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> so we may need to have very clear the concept of satisfaction first and what goes on top of that. So I was thinking to share with you, since we invoked the term Atmaram. <clears throat> Maybe you already read this, or heard about this, but I would like to share some words of some article that I wrote some years ago called Beyond Atmaram, mm. which happens to be really in the context of this, so I, I was not thinking about doing that, but I thought that will be like, connect. it's connected to this, mm-hmm. so with your permission, mm-hmm. I will share something of that, <sighs> and explain in between something. Mm-hmm. So I will read, how do say, Berbatim? Mm-hmm. Power it's excerpt. So it says like this. So it's in two so it's two articles, the the two of them called Beyond Admiral. So today I will share some excerpts of the first one. It says like this. Uh, when the famous Diogenes Diogenes Greek philosopher, I don't know if you pronounce it like that in English. Diogenes Oh theogen. the,
2: Theogenes.
0: Theogenes. Theogenes? In Spanish it's Diogenes. So, you learn the Spanish, it's Diogenes. Yes, of course, yeah. like Plato, oh. Socrates, Diogenes. Okay, no problem. It's a famous Greek philosopher. <laughs> like an Abadut. He was the Abadut of ancient Greece, actually. Very interesting personality. <laughs> so, okay, no. So,
2: Diogenes? No, no,
0: that's another one. So, well, okay.
1: uh,
0: when that particular personality <laughs> from Greece, who is Abadut-like, was asked... Who was the most fulfilled person on earth? He immediately replied with the most obvious answer of the time God. Then, when the inquirer requested another possible answer that might not include divinity, like implying, okay, yeah, we know God is someone else. So, the audience <laughs> said, that, that person who is closest to God. Well, like, if he's the most satisfied person, the one who is closest will be. Many of us may be fully satisfied with this line of thought, where the Absolute is depicted as Atmaram, that's the connection, or self-satisfied. But how true is this really? Hmm? Is God actually and absolutely satisfied? You can imagine what may be the answer. (laughs) (laughs) When we arrive at the general perspective of Revelation, whatever the tradition, including Hindu, one of the foremost attributes of the Godhead that will naturally manifest is His completeness. This is expressed in classical Panishadic statements statements such as Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purna Purnasya Purna Madya Purnami Bavasisya hundred and eight times the word purna there. For you to be clear, Purna, he's Purna. Purna means complete, complete, complete. Basically the verse says complete, 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 complete. That's the absolute So this implies that God is not only fully complete, but this line particularly says everything that emanates from Him is also such. Nothing exists outside of God. He's the only non-dual, absolute reality to be known. So that's one side of the question. He's the all in all. At the same time, according to Sriman Mahaprabhu, the words of the Upanishads, with all respected veneration resound very far away from where Harikata can take us. Famous mm-hmm. verse he says, Upanishadam mm-hmm. So the Upanishadic dictum can take us to a certain distance, but what Harikata says to us, and by Harikata he referred mainly to Bhagavatam, this particular revelation dure means it takes you much far away. So Even if the abstract and metaphysical Vedic canon embodied in the Upanishad says that God is complete, we may arguably consider that texts such as the Bhagavatam, which lie far above the ordinary Vedic reach, may tell us a different story. And they indeed do. If we are brave enough to immerse ourselves in the pages of Srimad Bhagavatam, we will gradually discover a pretty disconcerting theological prospect. If you are not disconcerted enough, be prepared for that. Which, properly understood, will bloom into the greatest charm imaginable, the Braja-Krishna conception. This approach to the Divine will, no doubt, include the highest degree of majesty, which makes up the entire idea of God for many of us, but it will also include an almost unthinkable feature. In Braj at home, the godhood of Bhagavan becomes buried under layers and layers of intimacy. So that's an important point also that Vishwanath makes in his Raghavar Chandrika. He says, for Madhurya to be there, for the intimacy of Vrindavan to be there, there has to be Ashvarya. I mean, in Vrindavan we find the highest expression of Ashvarya. There is more Ashvari in Vrindavan than in Vaikuntha, actually. But in Vaikuntha the Aishvarya is overt. In Vrindavan it's buried. <laughs> on their intimacy, 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 but it's there sometimes, it comes to the surface as we mentioned yesterday. But that all increases the intimacy of the Vrajavasis, <laughs> it does not affect their bhava. They're mm-hmm. just like it's not like the bhava, I don't know, Farjuna Arjuna or Basudev. Hmm? When Krishna appears in Mathura, Devaki and Vasudev, they start to pray to him, like, Oh Bhagavan, you are the Supreme Lord, blah blah blah. And Arjuna, the same when he sees the Vishwaroop. What does he say? Oh, forgive me, I treat it as a friend. Oh my god, I'm an offense, a paradi, Oh, yeah, it starts to cry. Mm. But if this happens in Vrindavan, <laughs> they will just like, and their bow will increase, their intimacy will increase, their batsalia, their sakya, will just. Oh, great, Krishna is God. Incredible. Our friend is God now. We got those news now. How great friend we have. That's the conclusion. My son is so incredible that even he's God even. Imagine. My my son is incredible. So nice. I have such a friend. He's God. I just received the news. He's God. But he's my friend first, of course. He's my first. First my friend. Second God. So that's a particular psychology. When this was told to Nanda Maharaj, Maybe Christian is God after he left over and he said he may be God, but first he's my son, so if I have to chastise him to educate him, I will do it. He may be God and all the things he wants to be, but first <laughs> first he's not the he's my son so that 's a particular reality when, even if you get to know my son is God that 's a secondary thing <laughs> first he's something else, not my son not not God but my son my friend my relationship no? that's the point mm-hmm. but there is Aishvarya again there is Aishvarya in, in, in Vishwanath makes this point makes, She says if in Vrindavan there is no Aishvarya there is only intimacy what's the difference between Krishna being charming as a baby and any other baby in the world I mean, why Krishna is particularly charming as a baby in comparison to any other baby what makes him especially charming what's the fact that makes yeah, he's it, that surprised. he's God. But on top of that, he's acting in that way. Do you follow? And that's Madhurya. Madhurya crea- means that type of intimacy, which isn't... I mean, because you can have intimacy with your wife, friends, baby, but that's not the Madhurya one can have with Krishna. For that, you need a For that, you need that your wife and son is God first. <laughs> and on top of that, you need to forget that because of a particular love. So that's, that's Vrindavan. So today we are also in the Banka temple I was thinking that no? seeing over aishwarya and I was praying to balaji please allow me to, to go through this aishwarya layer properly so I do not misunderstand the madhurya of vrindavan and no, because again in order to properly embrace that madhurya you have to also acknowledge aishwarya at least in the stage of sadaka in the lila they are thrown somewhere else if you will <laughs> but we need to really be aware of okay what's that in order not to make that ordinary you know? so Naraya bless me with proper Ishvarya so I can recognize ishvari Braj, but in such a way that they may attract me to the intimacy that is there mm. that is allowed only by proper Ishvarya properly buried by Madhurya, if you will <laughs> That's
2: the problem,
0: the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. eventually we'll be buried that, with all love and respect. (laughs) So, I don't know where I was. Uh,
1: What?
0: Okay. (sighs) So, in Braj, at home, the Godhood of Bhagavan becomes buried under layers and layers of intimacy. The Parabrahman, becomes a plaything in the hands of his devotees, a puppet in the context of what we may call Swarup Shakti Ananda. Now again, Swarup Shakti Ananda means the bliss that Bhagavan derived from his Swarup Shakti when that's expressed in the form of his devotees. So again, we are getting closer and closer to the 10th canto here. We are in the 9th canto, almost in the 10th canto. So, through these sections, very expertfully hmm? the Bhagavatam is preparing the ground. Vishnu is speaking there, but at the same time, again we can hear Vraja Krishna speaking more and more as the verses are progressing. We we feel ourselves drawn closer and closer to to the Braja Lila. Hmm? This unique type of rapture, hmm? Swarup Shaktiananda, is presented by our Tatvacharya, who is Srila Jiva. Jiva Goswamipa. <laughs> His, you doubted for a minute, in his, <laughs> his Priti sandarva Anuchedha 63. There, Sri Jiva declares that Bhagavan mainly tastes different varieties of Ananda, namely, Ananda that belonging to his intrinsic nature, and Swarup Shakti Ananda, that belonging to his intrinsic potency. Out of this, the second is superior to the first. And the second is further divided into two types. Our Goswami loves division and subdivisions. (laughs) Called Manasananda, that which pervades the psyche, or mental quantum, and Aishvaryananda, that related to the opulence of majesty of Bhagavan. The first of these, Manasananda, pertains to his devotees, and it speaks about God relishing his own existence through the existence of those he lives for, and vice versa. So next comes two analogies that hopefully help to illustrate this this idea, given by Jiva Goswami, the first of them. For a clearer depiction of this complex theological reality, Jiva refers to the well-known analogy of the flute. Do you remember that one? Okay, it's coming from Jiva Goswami from this section. And it's really fit for the object of our love also. A flute player, may whistle and thus create a particular sound air but if he pours that same air into the holes of his flute his former whistling you say whistling takes another shape a much more pleasing vibration if you are throwing your air into the flute similarly Bhagavan may experience his own inherent we still like bliss <laughs> in, his, in the form of Sarup Ananda, but when that same Ananda, the air, if you will, you know, is passing, expressing itself through the flute of his devotees, if we continue with the analogy, through his own Sarup Shakti, that air will sound much nicer. And indeed it does, both figuratively and literally, you know, in the sense that following the analogy, but literally in the sense that Krishna will play the flute. <laughs> Manohar. Mm. So in this way, the Swarub Shakti has a flavor of its own when residing inside Krishna. It is extremely relishable in itself, but when that flavor expresses itself by implanting itself into the heart of Krishna's devotees, it becomes enriched, 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 thickened and sweetened. Mm. To put it in contemporary scientific terms, there comes another analogy given by Guru Maharaj, we could say that both mass and energy, let's go to the scientific realm now, from flute to the laboratory, both mass and energy are one and different at the same time, when present in an object. They are equal and balanced when the object is not in motion, however, when the object is in motion. It's its energy exceeds its mass. Interestingly. Similarly, Shaktiman and Shakti are one and different. In Shaktiman as Brahman, Brahman, Shakti and Brahman are balanced and there is no movement. However, Shaktiman as Bhagavan is in motion and his Shakti, his energy, is greater. Following the example of mass and energy. Bhagavan, like the mass of consciousness and bhakti as the energy. Indeed, his shakti causes him to move, and even to dance. dance. Thank you very much. Amishishya Guru Nataradikar. Today we were also in the Benkateshwar temple, and went to the Lord Shiva temple. He, he's Natarash. I, I would think he said, no, Krishna is Natarash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Shiva is Natarash for sure, but our Natarash is another one. And, and the reason why he is not a rash, which means the kings of dancers, we know who makes him dance. The other day, Maharaj was mentioning, explaining this famous Bhagavatam verse during the Nityananda Trilogy: "Barhabipa, barha nata nikaram. The first line describes Krishna as wearing peacock feather and nata being the king of dancers, basically. So again, what, who does make? What does make him? What makes him dance? <laughs> hmm? so, it's the love of his devotees and In this way, Krishna Svarupa Chaitanya gives God a greater sense of joy than his own Swarupananda. So this is a point that this verse that we are saying today is trying to, how do you say, hammer on. Huh? Krishna finds more pleasure in the interaction with his devotees, in his interaction with Bhakti. Hmm. There's another interesting verse which is kind of parallel to the verse we are studying today, another verse from the Bhagavatam, very famous one also, uh, from the 11th canto, chapter 14, verse 15. Famous verse where Krishna is expressing his love to Udala. So He says, Natatame <laughs> Priyatama uh Naivat them. Sometimes you need to restudy the verses you learn by heart, but always remain so. <laughs> so he says to Udava, he says, My dear Udav, neither Lord Brahma, Lord Shiva, Lord Sankarshan, the gods of fortune, Sri Lakshmi, nor indeed my own self are as dear to me as you are. Hmm. So the it's a similar point that they made today. He's saying not all these personalities, not even my own self, I am not so dear as you are dear to me. Again, he's saying, in other words, my Swarupananda, my own self, the bliss of my own self, is not so interesting as you, as the bliss of yourself to me. Bhakti. Mm -hmm. So in other words, what we have here is God resorting to someone else in his attempt to feel more complete course, not someone else from the Abheda perspective. There's nothing outside of him, especially connected to bhakti. Therefore, we could say that on the basis of tattva Bichar or philosoph- philosophical consideration, God is already complete. On one level we can say that, yeah, God is complete, He, he has to, in order to be God. That's tattva, siddhanta. But, at the same time, at the same time, he has the potential to become even more complete <laughs> in the context of Rasa Vichar, in the context of his relishing the utmost limit of his own self. So, yes, God is complete, but our philosophy is he can become even more complete. <laughs> and again, this is one point to you may feel. Complete is complete. But if you are complete <laughs> in love, that's a particular type of completeness that it can always swallow more, if you will. <laughs> Thus, by proper exchange with his devotees, Bhagavan can finally experience his desired level of satisfaction. But, will he actually do so? Will Bhagavan fully satisfied at one point? <laughs> Not like someone, as you may know, he someone, Silasiddha Maharaj was giving a lecture and after one of these brilliant expositions he used to give, one would say, Guru Maharaj, we are Completely satisfied. So, still, as with full honesty, as a sadhu, full innocence, say, completely satisfied. Is that possible? Really? How? How did you make it? <laughs> like in plain, I don't want that. <laughs> is that possible? And the devotees who say that realize, oh, okay, <laughs> the class is continuing here. <laughs> the instruction continues. <laughs> Oh, no, no, I'm not fully satisfied, sorry. <laughs> if I'm fully satisfied, someone like Silas Amrash is not fully satisfied, I think I, I should pursue that. <laughs> For sure. While divine love arguably bestows unlimited fulfillment, that's what we mentioned today, it also bestows a second and unique experience, which is unlimited dissatisfaction. <laughs> Although the latter seems to be the exact nemesis of the former, properly understood, dissatisfaction represents the highest reach, an expression of fulfillment. Again, the concept of love. We are not promoting masochism in the realm of mundane dissatisfaction. Divine love embodies a whole realm of paradoxes, such as the one presented herein. And the goal of life, even the goal of God's life, that's an interesting point. Is to solve those paradoxes one after another. We have the goal of our life, but Krishna has his own goal of life also, to increase his experience of, of rasa. So how might we solve this particular riddle? In his Brihad Bhagavatam Brita, Sanatan Goswami give gives us an important hint. So there comes a very interesting verse from Brihad Bhagavatam Should I share it? Yeah. Okay. Please pay attention. He says like this, in the context of Atmaram, he says, It is especially noteworthy that the crest jewel of clever heroes, Sri Krishna, can forego his Atmaramata, his self-satisfaction, and all his other qualities, but he cannot give up his quality of coming under the control of his beloved devotees. He accepts their control graciously. This alone is the ultimate limit of his godhood. Which is called Bhagavata, also in this case. This is an interesting verse, in connection to what we are speaking here. Bhagavan can dismiss all his qualities except for one, which is coming fully under the control of his devotees. And that, which seems a limiting quality, becoming subject to someone else <laughs> is the ultimate limit of his godhood. That when he is who he is in every sense of the term says Sanatana Goswami. Let's show what Sanatana Goswami says in the purport to this verse because as you know he wrote such a thing such a book but he wrote the purport to his own book. <laughs> he was not satisfied to what he said there but he had to expand on, on his commentary. So <clears throat> in the purport to his own verse Mm. no problem
2: <laughs> <coughs>
0: Sri Sanatan explains that as much as God manifests Bhaktavatsalya yesterday we spoke about that you remember what's Bhaktavatsalya? Love the devotees. yeah affection towards his devotees as much as he manifests that the more he becomes Krishna the more God expresses Bhaktavatsalya the more he is Krishna which is sometimes say is God beyond God. Again, the designation God re- remains stuck in by Kuntur somewhere else. In Vrindavan, that limiting adjunct is no longer there. He becomes something else which is called Krishna, <laughs> which is the result of it, the increasing of the Bhakta Vatsalya. So as much as Bhagavan, God, Vishnu Narayan, the one who is speaking here in this verse, manifests Bhakta Vatsalya, the more he becomes Krishna. <clears throat> The Supreme Personality of God, what women call. This implies that he will give up, figuratively, all of his other qualities. It's not that he's leaving them out, but it's a way of saying, including his omnipotence and his self satisfaction, in order to retain his identity as Bhakta He He's willing to do so. If I have to renounce everything, just leave me with my Bhakta Vatsalia. That's who I am above all the other things. Yeah, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful, all-knowledge, all-fame, all... Bhaktavatsalya, please. As we say, that's his favorite quality in himself. What's the thing that Krishna likes the most in himself? I become a slave of my devotees. That's who I am, ultimately. So in order to retain his identity as Bhaktavatsalya, he's willing to renounce all the other things. So we should learn something from this. We should be willing to renounce so many things in order to obtain, not to retain, our real identity in connection to Krishna. He's willing to renounce everything but not to lose the affection of his devotees, basically. This is an attribute, when Sanatana Goswami finishes his commentaries, and when he says Bhaktavatsalya, this is an attribute that Krishna especially honours and keeps close to his heart. I mean, that's his heart, that's what makes his heart beat, you see? In other words, we could say that Sri Krishna is nothing more, poetically speaking, nothing more, <laughs> than a byproduct of the affection of his devotees. I mean, he's a result of that. You take off that affection, you don't have Krishna any longer. This is a famous example of the Gita Govinda, famous example, everyone, is, everyone shares that in this point. And you know, Krishna is in Rasa Lila with the gopis, at one point he disappears, the gopis go mad looking for him, and he becomes Narayan. You know, the, he adopts the form of Narayan, Chatur and the gopis see him, not Radha yet, other gopis, <laughs> and what do they ask to Narayan? Onaraya, Omnamo Naraya, and started Puja, Abhishek, like they did today in Venkateshwar, they only had one question. As Prabhupada said, we have only one question to ask Sri Guru, how can I serve you? Gupis had another one question to ask to (laughs) Naraya. They didn't ask him, how can I serve you? They asked, how can I serve Krishna, basically? (laughs) They asked, where is Krishna? You are God. You know everything. Tell us where is Krishna. Give us a hint. And Krishna addressed Naraya and was like, Oh my God! I mean. <laughs> so he didn't say anything. He entered into stamba, some some type of how do you say stamba in English? Paralysis, Para, paralysis, paralysis. whatever. So he was not able to speak. The gobi say um, "Bhagavan is not speaking. Let's keep searching for Krishna. Let's go." <laughs> and, and there was that, there was there remained Bhagavan, God. Was on the way? we left on one side of the path. They go, please, Bhagavan, make yourself to one side, we need to go. <laughs> but eventually, as we know what happens, Sri Radha comes, and Krishna is no, no, no longer able to sustain his forearm form. So he becomes like oh. Trivanga Lalita. <laughs> the point is, Radha's love carves that form. So Krishna is a byproduct of that type of bhakti. Type of bhakti makes him adopt a particular form. Mm. That's the theological point in that section of the Gita Govinda. So this is the same here. So when we say Krishna is a byproduct of the affection of his devotees, we are not saying less of him. That's the g- most flattering words we could say for feel, Oh, yes, that's who I am. <laughs> I'm only that. I'm known as Ajita, unconquerable, but I become Jita, conquered by my devotees. So Krishna is a byproduct of the affection of his devotees, which he, which he fully embraces and duly honors with all its implied consequences. One more paragraph. It says, In a different section of his work, Sri Goswami Pad Sanatan Goswami, further expresses this same principle from a different vantage point. There comes an interesting idea here. He declares the following. The name of Bhagavan is dearer to him than his own divine form, the former being saturated with rasa. The idea here is that since each of Krishna's primary names actually embody a particular type of love of God, they thus represent different devotees who are possessed by such love. Mm. Try to connect the point. Each name of Krishna mm. is connected to one devotee with some type of bhakti that takes the devotee to call Krishna with that particular name. Mm. Mm. For example, Radha and Jasoda respectively address their lambana, their object of their affection, as Radhanath and Nanda. let's say. Thus, Srinam represents a more precious gem to Krishna than Nami itself, hmm? <laughs> Nami is the possessor of the name, so the nam, the name is more valuable to Krishna than he himself, is to him, <laughs> that's why we will never find statements like, a devotee is dearer to Bhagavan than his own holy name, because both actually, the devotee and the holy name represent the agency, the same agency of the Swarup Shakti Ananda, so, although Hari and his name are identical, Abhinatwam, Nama, Nami, no, Krishna and his name are identical, on a general level, in a more specific way, Nam is even higher than Nami, in the same way that the Bhakta is considered higher than Bhagavan, as we were explaining, from Bhagavan's own perspective. For Bhagavan, my devotee is higher than me, his bliss is higher than my bliss. In that sense, we can establish the predominance of Nam above Nami. Bhakti above Bhagavan, Swaroop Shaktyananda above Swaroopananda. And the article finishes saying, needless to say, He, Atmaram, Sri Krishna, is eternally bound to reciprocate in the context of divine dissatisfaction. But that's a whole different story. To be continued. Hmm. So some words we want to share today in connection to this second verse of of the Bhagavatam again. When, when Bhagavan, going back to Vaikuntha for a moment, <laughs> he's expressing how hmm, without his devotees he's really not himself, basically. Those devotees that for whom I am the only goal of life, I do not des- desire to enjoy my bliss, my opulence. Hmm? I'm not myself, basically, I'm not fully, I'm not who I am. I'm a b- result of their love. Hmm? So, I don't know if you have any questions comments that you would like to share. <clears throat> there are some devotees also connected here online so if any of you may have any question or something you may like to share of course we are also invited to do so I
3: have a question Maharaj yes thank you for a <clears throat>
1: wonderful
0: discourse there was a quote you read um,
2: an
3: excerpt it might have been from Jiva Goswami where it contained something about mercy i was trying to wrap my head around it was something about um it was kind of earlier before you read the article Mm-hmm. and
0: something that i quoted today sorry yeah uh-huh yeah um and i
3: i was trying to kind of grasp what it was saying something about the devotees having mercy um do you remember the section or does somebody remember the section i'm
0: yeah, I'm, sure, I'm thinking, instead of Jeeva Goswami, something that was said by Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur. Yes, exactly. His purport to the If you purport. want, I can reread this brief section. Yes. I said so many things, so I, I am sure yes, that... In, sorry for the overwhelming, conceptual overwhelming. And I think that's connected also for, to something we spoke yesterday, so we will clarify a little bit. So he said, he's paraphrasing Bhagavan. Vishwanath is paraphrasing Bhagavan replying to Durvas, remember that he said how much are your devotees the object of your affection? So Bhagavan say, again, listen. <laughs> remember, listen. I'm called Admaram because I enjoy but I do not desire that enjoyment without the devotees. More than my own bliss from my swarup I desire the bliss of the swarup of my devotees. Now comes the part you, I think you mentioned. Both of us Bhagavan say, me and my devotees have spiritual forms but the mature form of the spiritual function called mercy exists in the bhakti within the devotee since it is the essence of the chit-shakti and it gives bliss even to my swarup and attracts my swarup. I think that's the gist of your question. Can you unpack that? Yeah, yeah. And then he says I eternally possess my secrets or qualities but without my devotees consider them to be barren and so on. But the main part is that, right?
3: Yeah, that was really intriguing. How the, mercy, this, the, the internal spiritual form and the mercy part. Is, mm-hmm, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. can you
2: elaborate on that?
0: Okay. So, here Bhagavan is mentioning, I have a spiritual form, my devotees also. Of course, here especially he's referring to topmost devotees, because there are so many devotees, levels of devotees. But... When Bhagavan says my devotees, I will. We will. We should understand first of all. His, I mean, if we hear devotees, we will try to. In in our own sincerity, of course, we feel ourselves devotees by the blessing of Guru Vaishnav, Bhakti. It's, it's a way of humility to accept that, but also it's humility to recognize when I hear devotees, I will try to establish the highest possible idea of what that it does. It mean, no? not just oh yeah, yeah, I'm a devotee and, and take the whole idea of devotion to my present situation and there's n- nothing more. So when Bhagavan himself is saying, my devotees, we shouldn't feel, ah, he's speaking about me here. <laughs> oh, he's flattering so, me so nicely. Thank you, Bhagavan. He's, no, we should feel, he's speaking about... No, So, so then he said the mature form of the spiritual function called mercy exists in the bhakti within the devotee since it is the essence of the Chit-Shakti. Well, so something we could say to begin with, and we mentioned that yesterday at one point, is the concept of mercy. Uh, of course Bhagavan has mercy. It's not that he, he's just indifferent or hard-heartened. He's called Karuna-Sindhu. Hey, Krishna, Karuna-Sindhu. Karuna-Sindhu means he whose mercy is oceanic. <laughs> no? So he must have some mercy, because I mean he's an ocean of mercy it means there's no beginning, no end, basically to the mercy. but the the way he expresses that mercy is from the, from his particular experience point of view, which is one that does not include, and we should understand this properly uh, the capacity of being empathic, fully empathic with our particular plight. You follow my point? I mean, we have we, we have been or we are on some level or another, at least myself, influenced by Maya Shakti, by the Gunas. Bhagavan has never been under the influence of the Gunas. So he doesn't know what does it mean. You follow? I mean, he doesn't know what's our experience of that. And that's not limiting to him. I mean, that will, we will be limiting to him if we say... Yeah, he has been under, in Maya, so he knows how does it feel to be Maya. There you are limiting him. <laughs> you follow. Someone say, how you limit God in this way? He should be able to be Maya. That will be limiting to him. <laughs> so, theologically speaking, that's not allowed. He cannot be under the influence of Maya Shakti. He couldn't be remain being God, if you will. So, he does not have an experience of that. So, he cannot express mercy in that sense, you know, in, in the sense of being empathic, to our supply because he doesn't know. He again, as we mentioned yesterday, he has cognitive empathy, which means he doesn't know what does how does it feel, but he understands you are suffering. And He speaks about suffering. In Bhagavad Gita, he speaks about the condition of illusion souls, even though he has not been such. To Udav, in the Udav Gita and the Bhagavatam he explains, like discloses in detail the nature of suffering, but he has never experienced that. <laughs> Like, he's smart enough to understand what's going on. <laughs> but what we call affective empathy, which means the empathy I can express when I have felt what you are feeling, he ha- he cannot do that. Because, again, he has not been under that experience and he will never be. So for that, the devotees are coming into the scene. Those who have been under the influence of Maya Shakti and by Krishna's mercy, they are beyond that, but can connect with our experience. So in that sense, we could say also, what Vishwanath says here, the mature form of the spiritual function called mercy exists in the bhakti within the devotee, which is a type of mercy that is expressed in the context of bhakti also. Because you can also express mercy without bhakti. I mean, you can be merciful and not be a devotee. That's a, a type of mercy. You can have so many qualities by being non-devotee. I mean, of course, sometimes we have we find verses that may be controversial. Like, for example, this verse, how it says? Yeah, right yes, in our base. Yes, in how does it our say? I'll go do it reminds me Guru Maharaj when he wants things. to remind one verse, but he's not giving a hint of the verse. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and uh, he asks, sometimes he looks at What's the verse, Maharaj? And I said, But w- give me a hint. <laughs> First word, one word, some part, one book, something. <laughs> And I felt like no, he wants me to know it without anything. So, okay, I have we have to qualify ourselves further. Just be so much connected to that. What's the verse? This one. <laughs> so, at one point, the verse says, maha mahat guna manon bahi. But how does it begin? Oh, my God. I'm growing old. <laughs> so... All the all the list of verses I send you, Madam Gopal, I'm forgetting some of them as you can see. So I need to reread them. But the point is that in that Sarvagunais Samatas Samasati, Surah, the lines are appearing gradually, from the last to the first. <laughs> what to do? Um, but basically there it says, if you are not a devotee, you have no good qualities at all. <laughs> so you may say, okay. <laughs> So, you may feel, so all the, those people who are not devotees, and I feel they have good qualities, how am I to understand that? According to this verse, they are totally <laughs> barren empty. But Vishwanath qualifies in the, in, in the, in the purpose of the verse. Actually, the intention of the Vatan is those qualities, they have qualities, but those qualities non devotees have are non devotional qualities. They are qualities but in a particular context. So, so we do not, of course, condemn them. <laughs> but they are not the same qualities as when those same qualities are expressed in the context of bhakti. Mm. You follow. You can be tolerant, humble, blah, 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 without bhakti. But all those qualities in the context of bhakti, that's something else. So that's why, uh, for example, in the Chaitanya when the famous 26 qualities of the devotee, you have heard that description sometime. There are 26 qualities. Of course, there are more than 26, but there is some encapsulation of that. And the first one that appears in the list is Kripalu. It's merciful. The would are merciful. But the main quality of the 26, which is called the... Um, how do you call this? The Swarup Lakshan. Yeah, mm. Which makes all the other 25 qualities, put them in context, is Krishna Sharanam, Which means... A devotee is exclusively surrendered to Krishna. So on the basis of that quality, you analyze all the other. He's merciful in that, in the context of that surrender. He's tolerant in the context of that surrender. So that, that gives a different flavor to the tolerance, to the humility, to the all the things that you may see anywhere else also. So here, Vishwanath is referring to that, to the mercy, but he mentions that the mature form of the spiritual function called mercy. So he's qualifying the idea of mercy in the context of the mature form of the spiritual function. It's another way of saying devotional mercy. A devotee has; is a spiritual function. You can be merciful without any spiritual function whatsoever. You can be an atheistic person and be merciful to people and animals or whatever. And it's okay. It's, I mean, it has some value in some degree. But you cannot make that equal with the mature form of the spiritual function. I mean this it's a difference. I mean if you choose not to be a spiritual no problem, but it's categorically different. Different. And he further qualifies that. He said that function called mercy exists in the bhakti within the devotee, which is the essence of the chit shakti. So the essence of the chit shakti is another way of speaking about bhakti. Bhakti is defined. Chit shakti is another way of saying swarup shakti, and, and bhakti has been defined as the as the very essence of the swarup shakti. And that bhakti is in the heart of the devotee. And on one level, again, we could say that mercy in the devotee has to do with the type of mercy He expresses towards others that Krishna ca- cannot express because of lack of experience in the field of Maya Shakti. But also we could say here that on, on, on a higher level, if you will, Krishna is saying this through Vishwanath, implying they are, they ex- the devotees express a type of mercy to me. And Bhagavan will feel that. On, on one level, he will. we as devotees may feel... Oh, Bhagavan is giving so much mercy. But at one point, Bhagavan will say, Oh, my devotee is giving so much mercy. It is saying say, in Bhagavatamrita, One name of Bhagavan is Swadhana Atriptam. Swadhana Atriptam. It's a very nice name. It's not the Swadhana Atriptam that of the Guru Astakam. Swadhana Atriptam, Hari Bhakta Sangam. It's another thing. <laughs> Here, it's another some, another word. something similar. Swadhana Atriptam means Srinathana Goswami says, referring to Bhagavan. It's he who, after giving himself, swa, in charity, dana, to his devotees, a triptam. He remains unsatisfied feeling, I have not given
2: enough.
0: I am indebted to them. In other words, they are showing me mercy. The very principle of mercy implies this idea that we mentioned yesterday, divine injustice. I'm receiving something, that I cannot reciprocate to. This is what Krishna says to the gopis. You have given yourself to me in such a way that every time I try to reciprocate, whatever I give you in reciprocation, you take that and offer that back to me again. So you only are increasing my debt towards you, says Krishna to the gopis and the nature of your love is such so like so noble so uh, devoid of personal interest that whatever i try to give you you immediately offer in service i mean you transform whatever comes to you <laughs> in my service so i don't know what to do now i'm totally indebted i don't know how to reciprocate and actually i i don't know i i don't feel there is any uh, how to you say, repayment I can do, because your, the love you have is a, its own reward, that's the word. No, I cannot reward you, but actually, Krishna says, I, might feel, I myself feel that your, the love you have is its own reward, and furthermore, I want to, that reward.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I want to taste that reward. That's the genesis of the Gaur-lila and the Zenith of the Bhagavad. So at that point Krishna is expressing, basically, I want that mercy, give me your mercy. And that's why Krishna will appear as Mahaprabhu, as a beggar, begging for mercy, begging for the mercy of Sri Radha to extend her, her bhava to him. <laughs> so all the things are like implied in the Bhagavatam, in between the lines. No? So when Krishna, is, through Bhishmanati, is describing the mercy of the devotees as the mature form of the spiritual function, Krishna, by Bhagavan and by Kuntha, but we will say, our Braj Krishna, He's ultimately saying these type of ideas. No? I, I want that, that mercy. I want the mercy of my devotees. There's one nice verse in the Bhagavad, and I think I will share it tomorrow, but let's give some brief trailer. He's, he says, uh, So He says to Buddha, He glorifies the devotees in those verses again. The Madhavodhis have no separate desire. Uh, they, are sage. they are really sage people, wise love in them. Uh, they see everyone equal. So he gives them two things. They are totally equipoised, equipoised and they are at the same time totally inclined towards me. I perpetually follow in their footsteps, says Bhagavan. And with the hope of being purified by bathing myself with the dust of their lotus feet. I'm I'm always running behind their mercy, basically he's saying. So that's again a more confidential conception that generally we won't find in Narayan. Narayan won't maybe express that overtly to his bhaktas by Bikluntha, give me your mercy please. Everyone will be like, what's going on here? (laughs) Bhagavan, you became too emotional. (laughs) But in Vrindavan, that's daily affair, basically. Krishna will be pulling you to the feet, praying to Radha, praying to Radha's manjuris, please give me mercy, allow me to enter again into the kunj. Radha is not allowing me, she doesn't want to see me, she's manini, she's in man, please give me permission. So Bhagavan is the one to whom everyone falls to the floor and prays to him with folded hands, but now in the intimacy of Brindan we found himself thrown in the floor, praying to the fallen head to servant. maidservant. Please make some arrangements so I can regain her darse. So, so, so. Give me mercy, give me mercy. <laughs> so everyone is praying for her mercy, but he is praying for someone else's mercy. As we said yesterday, everyone is worshipping him, he is worshipping someone else. He's in the altar of most, he has his own altar. <laughs> so the Bhagatan is... Pointing there, so that will be the, the ultimate, I will say, application of this idea of of mercy in connection to the devotees. So I hope that helps. Okay, no, no. I did. I did. So, something else before finishing? Okay. <coughs> oh. oh, I forgot to um, um, unmute the devotees in Zoom. Sorry, if you wanted any, you have any question, I I then unmuted you just in case.
3: I have a question, if possible.
0: Who is Balaram? Yes. Okay, Balaram from New Zealand.
1: <laughs>
3: so they are
0: sending your greetings from here, from North Carolina, Balaram.
3: What day is oh, I don't it there? know. it's from New Zealand.
0: What time is it there, they are asking here. But I ask first, what day is oh. it there? That's Sunday, right? <laughs>
3: uh, it's... Sunday here, it's um, quarter past 11 now in the morning. Okay, morning.
0: so you are in the future now, Ballara.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Time traveler. Okay, if you need to
0: know what will happen, we will ask you always.
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay,
3: so what's the question? Uh, I have a, a, a question regarding Devasa Muni, if that's all right. Um, okay. Just something, something that comes to mind whenever I hear his name mentioned. Okay. Um, and I guess I, I was trying to I was trying to understand how someone with such a short temper became such a powerful moony. cuz we always Someone think of, with
2: such a short temper. Uh-huh.
3: Uh-huh. You know, he seems to have like a an anger management problem and yet he's also like a famous uh, I don't know yeah. if you call him a gyani or
2: <coughs> Yeah, yeah. Like,
3: you know, he has a position which would normally be occupied by someone with a lot of sattva, but Durvasa seems to, he appears to be very rajasic, from, you know, from my say the least. perspective, so... <laughs> <laughs>
1: because anger has the, more to do you with gamas.
3: yeah. an important person, but he seems to have... Um, a few problems, you know so, <laughs> I'm wondering if you if you had any thoughts on that or you okay. knew about his background at all
0: mm-hmm. Okay, okay So <clears throat> thanks for the question, and yesterday we ser- shared some words about that, I think that's one of the most interesting topics there, how to understand this apparent paradoxical personality that suddenly like want to burn everyone down and are cursing Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, and everyone just because the, the kitri was not hot enough or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the Gulab Jamun arrived five milliseconds later <laughs> because it seems like that, like he really like becomes enraged by the most mini, minimum detail, if you will. No? So, and of course, that's the idea. Of, again, he's a paradigmatic figure, he appears in the in the, in the in the dress, if you will, of a Brahma body, or a jnani, if you may like, you no know, absorbed in Brahman and things like. But at the same time, he appears in the lila constantly. Hmm? So he appears, as you know, yes, yesterday we mentioned that he appears in the in the Krishna lila. he's there, blessing Sri Adha to cook, with her, whatever he cooks is. You
2: know?
0: And there are many lilas with Durvas also there. Interestingly, the name Durvas means Bas means residence and dur means difficult, so difficult residence. <laughs> if he comes, he will make your residence quite complex. <laughs> so, I will go with an explanation that sometimes my Guru Maharaj will give, also in connection, for example, when he describes Mahadev Shiva, which at the same time he's a great Vaishnava, as we know, as the Bhagavatam depicts him, Vaishnava Namjadashram Bu, but also, for example, he appears to be something, someone meditating and like trying to personify in a particular ideal and practice of some people, although his very identity may be connected to something else. So he gives the example of Shiva is meditating, and one day Cupid comes. Huh? Cupid? Flower arrows? In our Vedic tradition, in other tradition, he has some arrows as well—not with flowers, but <laughs> arrow shooter. So, and and basically, Shiva makes Cupid turn into ashes. Well, he becomes like enraged by Cupid trying to disturb Shiva's meditation, um, and again, as, as my guru will say, okay, thank you, Shiva. Now, Cupid is invisible. Now it's more difficult even to overcome yeah. the situation. Nobody's seeing him now. <laughs> What's going on? I don't feel anything. No? So the whole situation is more, more complex, more subtle. <laughs> Thank you, Mahadev.
1: <laughs>
0: so the point he's trying to make here, beyond Shiva himself, of course, it is that sometimes these yogis, again, Shiva is beyond this, but for a moment he's depicting a particular pattern. This is at some time are engaged, like Durbas, let's go back to Durbas or some others, that again, our paradigmatic figures are not just the standard Gani struggling guy that has some anger problems or whatever, but he's been, being a paradigmatic figure, he's been used in the lila for teaching specific models of behavior and also through that those models creating an unfolding of the lilas, I mean, someone is needed there to curse everyone so that will create but that curse is always end up with some blessing eventually so you, you at the end realize how much of a curse was that was that but actually so much things interesting things unfolded from that and on the opposite in this world we feel oh this is a blessing but at the end it ended up in the whole entanglement and oh this is so pleasurable and there is so much suffering so you yeah, um, how there was suffering the converging point suffering so here converging point is blessing so where is the curse now it's just like the kickstart so someone has to be the Judas if you will in the story no? <laughs> so and, and Durvasa will exemplify this also in the way of this idea of the jnanis who sometimes are resorting to this processes of trying to control something but without embracing the positive side of in this case of bhakti instead of embracing attachment to Bhagavan, they only embrace detachment. Mm-hmm. So in that detachment, they try to, by their own merit, not so much kripa koro, no, the asking for mercy, but by their own personal effort, trying to control, control. And the point is, in, in, in many of those cases, there is lots of repression. Mm-hmm. So the result of repression, well, someone comes and <laughs> pinch, pinch <laughs> that a little bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Volcanic eruption. <laughs> but something that you feel this is not i mean this it's not corresponding with the level the degree of my pinching you no know, what you are you're cursing me to i don't know whatever <laughs> to die in seven days or to whatever mm-hmm. These the hundreds of generations to be cursed by i don't know i i was, i walked on your shadow or <laughs> So I will say that, you know, that Durvasa represents this idea because he's depicted as a jnani, as a brahma body, as someone who is absorbed in meditation but more on his own, not so much like a devotee you know, resorting to Bhagavan's mercy and, 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 and embracing the positive side of spirituality but mainly trying to deny the ills or the negative and how those personalities are always like just on the borderline of exploiting, basically. <laughs> like implying bhakti, it's a much more comprehensive process that won't make you so dysfunctional, if you will. <laughs> but if you only resort to those practices of only by yourself, you try to detach, a the distance. They may be, you may feel I'm big, I'm this, this, but there's something that maybe is not fully uh, uh, integrated, if you will, yet. And, and you will see at certain tests, basically. So when the, the test time comes, you exploit. Another test comes, you exploit. Like this, and we see this on different levels. on on the on the side of Durvas and other like Gyani-like sages, and you go to the other side in the Bhagavata with Indra and Devas, and more like karma-oriented personalities, more inclined to not to detachment, but to the opposite of that, like to enjoyment. and And for one moment, they are devotees in this case, Sakama bhaktas, Devas, for example. And they are aware of Bhagavan, but at some point they became so intoxicated with enjoyment and wealth that they end up wanting to kill all the Brajavasas, like Indra wanted in the Govardhan Lila. He thought, I want to kill Krishna, what's the best way? I will kill all the Brajavasas and he will die. So we thought, wow, what Which? What, what, what happened with that? He's a devotee.
1: <laughs>
0: <coughs> he had a devotee, but he became like... Phew. So also with these things the Bhagavatam is trying to teach us. Okay, you, you also are a devotee. <laughs> and the Bhagavatam says, For being for attaining perfection in bhakti, you shouldn't be too attached, you shouldn't be too detached. That can take you to the Indra or Durvasa directions. If you go too much there, too much there, you may repress and exploit, or you may Whatever, be attached to your enjoyment, and someone is disturbing that, or you want to kill your own of or something. <laughs> so try to walk the middle path. That's once that's what it means to be a devotee. Be a balanced person. Middle path, the most difficult for sure. <laughs> Not to jump to the extremes. That's relatively easier, easier, and of course more difficult at the end. For sure. <laughs> so I would say that Durvasa is trying to, like, to embody that principle. But again, on top of that, we see a person that. Through, who, through whom all his explosions end up converging some blessing in the context of Lila. So we you, you, you will conclude he's not an ordinary gyanis struggling practitioner, and I'm above him and all this stuff. But there are particular characters in the Lila that are there eternally. I mean, there are eternal in the Lila as Durbasamoni. It's not that at one point he stopped being Durbasamoni. So there has to be a Durbasamoni for eternity, <laughs> For many levels of reasons, again, to instruct us as struggling sadhakas, to create some particular dynamics in the lila. So, so we should honor and venerate him at the same time, even though sometimes we read some explanations where Bhagavan is speaking to him, and you are a fool, Brahmin, what are you saying, blah, blah, blah. But from our side, we have to see the bigger picture. You know? So, Durbas, Muniki, jai Okay, so I think we, we can finish here. We have already spoken quite quite a good time. We can think for a minute if it's okay for you. Sri Laghu Deobhiji Jai, Mahaprabhu Kiji Jai, Sri Hari Nam Sankirtan Kiji Jai, Grand Tathastri Madhav Govind Kiji Jai, Gol Bhaktabindu Kiji Jai, Gol Pramananda yeah. yeah.